Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1493.9 FM, WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. It's a penny for your thoughts. So glad to have you with us on a sunny day. How about that? We got some sunshine. It's cold out there, though. With a high of 20 in our forecast, I think it's 8, and the wind chill's right about 0 uh, with the winds that we do have. Uh, glad you're with us here today. 217-356-9397 is our phone number. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at WDWS.com. Those are the uh, ways to reach us, variety of ways to do so. I know some folks have time to be on the phone. Others are busy doing other things, and they like to text in. That's certainly fine. And then, of course, uh, you can email us. That's kind of in between there. And we take all three ways here in the year 2023. Uh, got a uh, busy week ahead of us here. we got basketball tonight. Uh, basketball game against Nebraska. That game is at 6, by the way, and I've got some tickets to give away. I'll give away those near the end of the show today, so be listening for that. But it's Illinois and Nebraska. It's a 6 o'clock tip. You may have a, something that tells you 6.30, but recently they moved it up uh, because Iowa and Northwestern had to play because Northwestern had COVID, COVID issues, and so their game got moved to tonight at 8. And so instead of our game being at 6.30, they moved it up to 6 so they can get both games in. So TV drives a lot of that. But uh, just make a note of that as you make your plans here today. Our game day coverage at 4. We'll have our postgame show after the game. Earlier starts are good. I like them. So the earlier the better <laughs> for me at this stage of my life. Thank you. Uh, we got a 1.30 game, I think, on Saturday in Iowa City. So uh, lots of news out there. We're going to dig a little bit into the uh, Ukraine situation. Now Ukraine asking for fighter jets. They just got some tanks committed. Now they're asking for um, fighter jets with uh, what's happening on the ground in Ukraine and in the air, if you will, with the tanks and the planes. We'll talk to Jeff McCausland with CBS. He's a military analyst here coming up in a few minutes and uh, get his analysis of what's happening there in Ukraine and uh, why the sudden uptick in military equipment, what's changed as far as that goes. And we're approaching the one-year anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. One year. Some people thought it might be over in about two weeks. But here it is almost a year later. As Champaign Schools Foundation, 2023 honorees named, trying to meet a shortage of pharmacists, Parkland College trying to help out with that issue, Deb Pressy has that story in the News Gazette today. You can check that out. Uh, coming up tomorrow in the 9 o'clock hour, Congresswoman Nikki Bozinski, just uh, recently elected back in November from our area, will join us for a few minutes from Washington, D.C. Uh, Thursday is uh, Groundhog Day, and uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And we've got All Out Acapella at Unity High School coming up here soon. So we'll delve into that a little bit. And then if you're looking for some free tax help, we've got some folks that will help you out with that. 
We'll tell you more about that at the end of the week. 910 at DWS. Let's go to the phones here quickly. Benny, how you doing? Good. How are you this morning, Brian? Good. Good to have you on. Oh, thanks. Good to be I've just got a couple of things. Uh, if you could pass on to CW and, and Dave, about they were talking about Lisa Loring, who played uh, Wednesday on The Addams Family. Yeah. Well, they meant, they mentioned that she had done some other roles, and uh, I remember she she did do a soap opera. I, I don't think CW can remember the, which one she did. She was on As the World Turns. Oh. She played uh, Cricket Montgomery. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I, I wasn't supposed to be watching that, but my dad watched it. But, hey, when you're eating lunch at the table, you know, it's on. What am I going to do, get up and leave? Absolutely. Yeah, that's how I, no. yeah, that's how I remembered that she was on As the World Turns. Okay. Well, very good. Yeah. That's uh, I appreciate you passing that along there. Oh, no problem. I also wanted to talk real briefly about Billy Packer. I mean, yeah. I know a lot of people didn't like him, uh, you know, but, I mean, he knew the game. But, you know, when he started with, with Dick Enberg and, you know, when they took over for Kurt Gowdy, you know, they bring Al McGuire in. And what NBC did, and I never did really understand why they did this, they would have Al McGuire, I think, in a dressing room or something with a monitor set up. And then, like, if some kind of play was going on or a foul call, they bring Al in like uh, in the corner of your TV, like a picture-in-picture thing. And, yeah, that's how they used to – they did that when they first brought him in. And what I do remember, and this might be in the book that Dick Enberg wrote uh, a while back before Dick passed away, and that Billy Packer complained to somebody and said, bring him in at courtside, you know, instead of having him back there in, in one of the dressing rooms. And when they brought Al in, I thought the broadcast was much better, you know, when they brought him in at courtside because I believe that Billy and, and Al McGuire doing the broadcast that I used to watch, that I, they fed off of each other. Yeah, oh, they were dynamite. I wonder what you thought about that. Yeah. They oh, they were, they were dynamite. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Um, I mean, and they called the uh, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Indiana State, you know, Michigan State title game. Yeah, that was one of my favorite games. And a lot of people uh, contribute that or tribute that to the rise of uh, college basketball on TV and the March Madness and the NCAA tournament, and uh, they were a huge part of that. Yeah, I I was a huge Larry Bird fan. And the other thing about Billy, uh, he worked with Gary Bender, and they called that NC State-Houston game, which was another favorite of mine, even though I wanted Louisville to win the whole thing. (laughs) I was a huge Billy Crumb fan. And I love that red suit coach he used to wear. Oh, absolutely. I thought he looked good in it. But, oh, hey, yeah. I, I liked Coach Valvano. And, you know, I, I thought that, you know, Billy and Brent Musburger also worked well together. And mm-hmm. he and Jim Nance worked together. And I've seen his son on the ACC network. I can't remember his first name. Yeah, Mark. But Mark, that's yep. it. Yep. I, thought that, I mm-hmm. thought that was his first name. So he was on uh, in the summertime during their – training camp reports going around the various training camps Mm -hmm. i'm telling you brian he looks just like his dad i mean spitting image of his dad oh yeah yeah he does uh he does a show uh with west durham who is yeah packer and durham Durham. west durham is woody durham's son woody was the voice of the tar heels for 
a long time. And uh, Wes is, does the Atlanta Falcons, and he's done Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt, and uh, he's been all over the place on ACC Network. So, yeah, that's uh, – he had one uh, son of one great radio broadcaster, and Mark Packer is the son of a great TV broadcaster. So they get together. Well, thanks for letting me come on, and, you know, Billy's going to be missed. He will be, very much so. Hey, Thanks, thank, th- thank you, Benny. Hey, very good, sir. Thank you. I appreciate that. One other note, too, and uh, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this here in a second. Uh, Cindy Williams passed away from uh, Laverne and Shirley. And uh, Doug Wilson's on the line. You knew Cindy Williams, right, Doug? Yes, I did, Brian. <laughs> wow. How are you today? Good. How are you? Well, tell me about that. Good. Well, you know, it was really disheartening to hear that uh, she passed at a mere 75 uh, years of age. But uh, when I was in Sullivan opening up my restaurant, um, the uh, transforming jibbies into Doug Wilson's jibbies, they were there um, opening a show two days after I opened in 2008. Uh, So it was, you know, Cindy you know, who played Shirley, of course, Mm -hmm. and then um, Eddie Mecca, who played uh, Carmine. And um, they they were doing a show, It Had to Be You, at uh, Solomon's Little Theater on the Square. Um, They were, you know, they were a delight. Cindy was so polite and gracious. They would come into the restaurant, have lunch, have coffee. Um, You know, Eddie was hilarious. Um, He was quite the character. Um, but, uh, it was great to see those two, you know, performing together and also socializing in real life and getting to know them a little bit, you know, cause I grew up with Laverne and Shirley. Absolutely. And Happy Days oh yeah. Me too. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was, that, that was our prime. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's right. Well, and maybe they, not our prime. Well, our, yeah. our childhood prime. That's right. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about, it, I mean, cause how many spinoffs came from Happy Days? You know, and, oh, gosh. and so many of them, and uh, man, yeah. uh, Cindy and and uh, you know Laverne and Shirley, what a great uh, chemistry on air. I mean, they were yeah terrific. Well, if you read about them a little bit, they had immediate chemistry. Um, you know, um, Laverne um, Penny Marshall, her father, you know, started that show. You know, he created Happy Days, and then you know the spinoff Laverne and Shirley. And uh, I guess, you know, as soon as they met, they immediately had this chemistry and this bond. And um, it really, you know, transferred over on screen. Mm, it you know, really it, it did. was a special, special thing. Yeah. You know, I've been in a long-term show before, um, nine years. Their show went nine years. And that is just amazing um, for a sitcom, any show, to run for nine years. Mm-hmm. So just goes to show you how important it was with our our culture um, and and such. Absolutely. Hey, um, thanks for sharing that with us, Doug. I appreciate that. No problem. Thought you'd like to hear that. Yes, very good. Thank you. All right, our friend Doug Wilson. We had him on recently with our panel, and if you missed any of that, his last show he did with us, you can go to WDWS.com. 917, let me get a break in here, and we'll talk to Jeff McCausland a few minutes about what's happening in Ukraine Saw this headline today, tanks for Ukraine once seemed unthinkable. Could fighter jets be next? We'll talk to him about that here after this.
All right, coming up on 920, as we join you today on A Penny for Your Thoughts, we'll have Illini basketball tonight. Dion joins me for that, courtside. Tonight at 6, our Illini game day coverage coming your way at 4. We'll have all the post-game coverage for you as well. Illinois and Nebraska, and again, that's a 6 o'clock tip at State Farm Center. A lot of news these days coming out of Ukraine, of course. Jeff McCausland has been with us before. He's a military analyst for CBS. And, Jeff, good morning to you, and uh, good to have you on with us. First of all, it's hard to believe it's almost been a year since all this started, when you think about yeah, it. Really- yeah, it really is amazing. I mean, at the onset of this conflict, I don't think anyone, experts included, would have imagined this war would have gone on for a year. And I think Mr. Putin all, himself also assumed this would be a quick victory for Russian forces. Imagine <clears throat> that it is true. Uh, we've learned Russian officers were told to pack their dress uniforms because there would be a quick victory parade in Kiev, and obviously that hasn't worked out too well. Mm, not at all. So we're hearing a lot of news lately. Uh, a couple of weeks ago it was all about tanks. Now we're hearing about maybe fighter jets. So, so what's going on here? What, why the sudden uptick in you know the 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 debate between uh, U.S. and Germany and who's sending tanks and kind of walk me through this? What's happening? Well, there was this disagreement amongst the alliance about providing tanks to Ukraine. The Ukraine has argued it needs up to three hundred tanks if it's going to conduct what it's expected to be a counteroffensive later this spring to try to resecure more, if not all, the territory that's lost to the Russian Federation. <clears throat> Initially, the focus was on Germany. Now, the Germans produced the Leopard 2. There's about 2,000 or more Leopard 2s scattered across Europe in about 13 countries. But because they produce it, even if Poland, for example, that has Leo 2s and indicated a willingness to provide them to Ukraine, wanted to do so, it would have to get German permission under export laws of who, in fact, produced it. The Germans had indicated they would do so only if the United States also provided our tanks, the M1 Abrams, Pentagon opposed that, saying that it was far too complicated for the Ukrainians to sustain that particular piece of equipment. But over time, eventually the Biden administration agreed to provide about 31 uh, M1s to Ukraine. It'll take several months, I think, until those arrive. And at the same time, then the Germans announced they would provide Leo 2s. Uh, in several countries now, I saw this morning, Norway has agreed it will send Leo 2s. So will Poland. So will Spain um, and several other countries. And the British have also announced uh, previously that they would send Challenger 2s. But now, of course, the Ukrainians have launched more longer-range weapons to, in fact, conduct that counteroffensive, and now we come to, to fighter aircrafts and F-16s. Mm. But it would take a long period of time, I think, to um, transfer F-16s to them and train their forces not only to operate the F-16, but also to maintain an F-16. It would probably take a year or more. Better off if we could find uh, MiG aircraft that the Ukrainians are familiar with and they have the logistics support that could, in fact, be transferred to Ukraine. Yeah. That's the thing. I think those of us that are not in the military go, you know, okay, well, we're going to send you tanks. Well, it's not, or planes. It's just not that easy, right? I mean, <laughs> there's training. There's, I mean, how long? <laughs> it takes a little while to do that. You don't snap your fingers and make that happen, right? That's exactly right. And then you've got to be able to sustain that because if it breaks down, you want to repair that piece of equipment or it gets battle damaged. You want to repair that piece of equipment as far forward and as rapidly as you can to get it back in the fight. Otherwise, you're just giving them something expensive that will be, you know, sitting on the side of the road and broken down someplace. And that has been the problem. And, of course, as this war is going on at the very onset, well, we could provide the Ukrainians anti-tank weapons, the javelin, the tow, air defense weapons like the Stinger. Well, heck, I could train somebody on how to fire a javelin in about two hours. It's kind of a fire-and-forget weapon. There's not any maintenance to it really whatsoever. So over time, what we see is a steady escalation in the sophisticated and the type of weaponry that the West will provide Ukraine 
really, I think, demonstrated that NATO is more and more committed to this fight. Don't forget, at the very beginning of this war, 11, 12 months ago, uh, the Germans announced they were going to provide Ukraine 5,000 helmets. Well, somehow that didn't deter Vladimir Putin from conducting the war, but now the Germans have announced they're going to give Ukraine their most sophisticated tank, and all the allies have followed suit in providing more sophisticated equipment. Hmm. Jeff McCausland with us and military analyst for CBS with us for a couple more minutes. Yeah, because early on it was we didn't want to provoke the Russians, I guess, but now that Russia's getting ready, to, I guess, to launch this counteroffensive, then we're, we're, we're into it now. I mean, so if you're going to do it, I guess you got to do it, right? Right. I think there also was that expectation that Russia would, in fact, be successful in their conventional operations. We never expect the Ukrainians to be as good as they have been. So we underestimated them. We overestimated the Russians rather rather grossly. Along the way, of course, the Russians and Putin have tried to rattle the nuclear saber to intimidate the Ukrainians, of course, but also intimidate the West about providing more military support to Ukraine. But that those things have kind of rung hollow. And one thing I found interesting, when we announced this decision to provide them tanks, the Russians really didn't do anything. I mean, they made a few diplomatic announcements that this, this would, you know, certainly damage German-Russian relations. Well, German-Russian relations are about as bad as they've ever been anyway. Hmm. So it seems this threat to escalate the nuclear weapons is running more and more hollow, and I think that's one of the reasons why we've seen the West more and more willing to support the Ukraine in this fashion. Yeah. How dangerous could this be? I mean, you hear people that, you know, well, this is the uh, beginning of World War III if we're not careful. I mean, is that is that overblown, or is is could this be dangerous? What's happening? No, it could be, this could be this could be very dangerous. I mean, sadly, I'm old enough to remember the <clears throat> Cuban Missile Crisis. I was a young boy, which was a very very worrisome time in terms of confrontation between the United States and the Soviet Union. And frankly, I think we're still at about that level of concern right now. You know, some kind of inadvertent action: a plane goes in the wrong direction, a missile strikes the wrong territory, two ships bump into each other in the middle of the night. And, and things could escalate and get totally out of hand. And we're still unclear about how the Russians would react if we saw a major Ukrainian offensive, which actually then threatened Russian territory or the original Russian territory beyond what they've now claimed in Ukraine uh, as their own. You know, where are those red lines that might cause Mr. Putin to really consider an escalation to nuclear weapons? So I think we need to be very clear-eyed that we are at you know that type of a confrontation. And furthermore, mm-hmm. the Russians on their side continue now more and more to describe this war as a war with the West. This is a war with the West in which Ukraine is a proxy. <clears throat> we may disagree with that that description, but that's how it's described in Moscow. Yeah, and you've got the countries that are bordering Russia that are concerned, obviously, the smaller Baltic countries and, you know, Ukraine's situation and Poland. And there's just a lot of history intermixed in there, that, uh, especially even since the end of World War II. Absolutely, without a doubt. One of the oppositions in Germany to providing these tanks was uh, this particular area of Ukraine is referred to as the bloodlands because, of course, this is where the the Nazis conducted major offensive military operations against the Soviet Union back in the 1940s. So a lot of Germans were concerned about, here's a scene, once again, of German tanks, you know, defeating or crushing or shooting uh, Russian tanks in the same area back in the 1940s. Uh, Germany was responsible for literally killing millions of Russians. Hmm. How much territory of Ukraine does Russia actually hold right now? I mean, what percentage do you know? Yeah, they hold about they hold about twenty to twenty percent or so of of Ukrainian territory. But keep in mind, there's sort of two parts to that. And one is, of course, the territory they've seen since February of 2022. 
but also they control Crimea and they control eastern Luhansk province, which were really kind of seized by Russian or Russian surrogates uh, back in 2014. And this is where there's an interesting, I think, not necessarily a total coincidence between Western and Ukrainian objectives. Kyiv is totally determined to take back all the territories lost to include Crimea and what was seized back in 2014. A lot of people in the West can, are, can, are concerned that to go that far might actually provoke the Russians and lead to a wider war. Hmm. Hey, Jeff, I appreciate the time today. Always appreciate your, uh, your expertise on this, uh, this area of things, and we'll be in touch. Great pleasure. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Jeff McCausland with uh, CBS Radio. He's a military analyst. And uh, there's always those snapshots in history, you know, when you, when you go back and if you, if, you, if you zoom in on the start of World War I, for instance, and you say, okay, this happened and the Archduke was assassinated and this led to this, and it's easy to pull back and go, okay, well, they should have seen that coming. Well, at the time, you're so focused on that, you lose sight of the bigger picture. And I always like to kind of get the – the bigger picture as we look at it now. 929, a break. Back with more here in just a moment on A Penny for Your Thoughts with you till 11. Sun out there today, 9.31 on this Tuesday. Very cold today, high of 20, low of 8 tonight. Then we're back up to 40 by Thursday. So uh, take heart, it will get warmer. 217-356-9397 is our number. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. CBS News coming up here in a moment. Ryan Dallas Real Estate focused on getting you results here as we start 2023. They were on pace last year at one point, uh, having a home sold every 11 hours. I mean, they, they move stuff, and they make it happen. And they're the number one real estate team in central Illinois. They were ranked 15th in the nation at the end of last year. We'll have to get the uh, updated standings from over there. Consistently number one in client satisfaction, voted number one in the area's People's Choice Awards. Choose the team that puts your goals first. Ryan Dallas Real Estate. And go to their website if you'd like to learn more about how they can help you buying or selling a home. Uh, they can go to ryandallasre.com. CBS News here at the bottom of the hour and then back with more. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Memphis. Let's get some more news out of there. And, of course, been following the uh, policemen that were uh, have been charged uh, in that video that was released at the end of last week. Talk a little bit more about that from uh, Grant Thompson, who is our general manager, but came here back from Memphis and spent a lot of years in Memphis, and he knows that community really well. Just wanted to kind of pick his brain a little bit on the dynamics of all of that we've just seen in the city of Memphis. I've been there a couple of times, but uh, he lived there, and he understands that quite a bit. Uh, 9.33, here's CBS. CBS News Brief. A wide swath of the South is bracing for an icy winter storm. Rob Rodell with the Arkansas Electric Cooperative. We don't know what Mother Nature is going to do. Last week, the snowstorm that went through North Arkansas was supposed to be a simple snowstorm and ended up causing many power outages. Hundreds of flights in the U.S. have been canceled or delayed, most in Texas. There's more fallout and reaction to the death of Tyree Nichols after a brutal police beating. CBS's Elise Preston is in Memphis. 
Demonstrators in Memphis continued to call for police reform as Memphis police announced that two more officers had been relieved of their duties pending an investigation. In the West Bank today. Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas expressing sorrow for the dead and urging both Palestinians and Israelis to tamp down on the recent surge of violence. CBS News Brief. I'm Deborah Rodriguez. the passing of Cindy Williams, Shirley, on Laverne and Shirley, the famous, uh, they don't make intros much anymore on shows, they're a lot shorter, uh, the intros to shows used to be a lot longer if you remember, and that was, uh, that was a classic, anyway, uh, Shirley Williams passing away, 217 Got a email here from Ron. He says, I wanted to say I'm sorry to hear of the passing away of Cindy Williams. I think most people remember her from the movie American Graffiti. She also starred in the TV series Laverne and Shirley. Uh, Ron says, I have pictures of her with my 34 Ford street rod. My car reminded her of the movie. That was so very cool. She'll be missed by many. Yep, we've had already had some commentary on that uh, this morning. So thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Also got a text here that says, Brian, the Ukrainians need A-10 Warthog close support aircraft to protect their tanks. F-16 fighters are air superiority aircraft designed to take out bombers and cruise missiles. There are other good possibilities for support aircraft. These are heavily armed Apache and Blackhawk helicopters. Then you need fewer air superiority fighters, allowing your close support aircraft to operate NATO needs to supply these aircraft now. Yeah, it's always a lot more uh, it's always a lot more complicated and detailed than I think most of us realize. And I think Jeff touched on some of that, some of the complexity. I mean, it's like, hey, we're going to send you tanks or we're going to send you uh, aircraft. Okay, well, it's not like um, you ever play the game Risk. You know, it's not like moving pieces around to where you want them. I mean, you can't. On paper, yes, but there's a lot more to it than that, for sure. Uh, 937 at DWS. Let's go to Ray. How you doing, Ray? Just fine, Brian. How are you doing? Good. Good to have you on. Thank you. I have a question. I was listening to the radio last night when you were at uh, Papa Dell's. Uh Uh-huh. And there was a comment made in regards to fans being able to travel to Spain in August with the men's basketball team. Yes. Where would more details be on that um, adventure? Let me look here. You can probably uh, go to, there's a long website here, Global Sports Management. Global Sports Management. Yeah, and okay. let's, let's see here. I'm looking, I'm looking on it right now. Uh, foreign tours. Yeah, if you go globalsportsmanagement.co is management.co. Yeah. And okay. see where that and I'm kind of doing it right now as I talk to you and I'm 
I'm, okay. not, I'm not seeing a whole lot. Of, there's a contact. Yeah, there's a way to reach the guest we had on last night. Okay. You could try that. Okay. And he probably could tell you more. Okay, and that so. contact information is on that. Uh, yeah, and I've got his number here if you want it. Management. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, his, his name is Maury, M-A-U-R-Y, Hanks, H-A-N-K-S. And it's 702-860-9719 okay. is the number for him. And there's also an email if you want to go that route. Okay. Uh, it's Maury, M-A-U-R-Y, Hanks, H-A-N-K-S, all one word there, Okay. at gmail.com. Okay. So. And he would be the one that would have the information yes. regarding the fans yeah. being able to travel. Yeah, he's like the head of the company. So okay. <laughs> So I assume he would know. Okay. So, okay? All right. Thank you very much. Hey, you're very welcome, Ray. Thank you. Uh-huh. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yep, the uh, team is going to uh, Spain. They, they can do that every four years, I think. 940 at DWS. Back to the phones here. David, how you doing, David? Good, and yourself on this fine, warm day out man, today. Man, you gotta jump. you got to <laughs> light a fire somewhere. Yeah, well, hey, <clears throat> real quick, a uh, couple of things about uh, Ukraine and about Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I added this sent to me. It was in 2008, under Bush, Putin invades Georgia. 2014, under Obama, Putin invades Crimea. Crimea. Mm-hmm. Sorry about mispronounced it. Crimea, yeah. 2017 mm-hmm. and 2021 under Trump. Guess what Putin did? Nothing. Yeah. 2022, Biden, Putin invades Ukraine. Uh, everybody I've been listening to says uh, China's sitting back and watching things, and Taiwan will be next. And with the uh, with everybody cutting our military budget, we're not going to have the manpower to take care of everything. So, yeehaw, you know, Teddy Roosevelt said, walk softly and carry a big stick. And what's our federal government supposed to do? The number one priority is to protect the United States with a military superior to none. And we sure don't have it now. So, going to Memphis, those five officers that were involved in all of this, they didn't go through the usual hiring process that uh, the PD, Memphis PD normally does. The city thought the existing procedures were too strict and began their own hiring process. And all, high, all five of those officers were hired by the city and did not go through the rigorous testing that everybody else went through for the PD. So you ended up with thugs instead of police officers, and that's the best way I can put it. I saw that video. I've been involved in a couple of arrests where I had to fight the individual. Luckily, not a lot of them. And uh, you take five guys that big, there's no way that they couldn't have handcuffed him. Uh, That guy took a brutal beating that, whether he resisted arrest or not, it, it, he did not deserve that type of a beating. It, yeah. it was just ridiculous. And 
you know, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but thankfully it was black on black. If it had been white on black, there had been rioting everywhere. But uh, these five guys, I don't care what race they are. Anybody that does that to a, a, a guy, uh, they deserve everything they get. These guys were thugs, and uh, there's no reason for that Tyrone to take a beating like that. Yeah. So, so you could tell based on my, you could tell based on your experience that that was horribly wrong. I mean, you could just that they didn't have the right oh, training. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the and the second when when he ran away the second when he ran away and then the second beating, <clears throat> they stood him up and were beating him in the face. I mean, he wasn't yeah. even on the ground. They were lifting him up like in the old cowboy movies where they'd lift the guy up and then smack him in the face. And, I mean, this guy took one heck of a beating. It was it was brutal. I, you know, like I said, resisting arrest or not, uh, nobody deserved that kind of a beating. Mm. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, and, I, you know, the only word I can put for them five guys, and like I said, I don't care what race they are. They could have been white guys, and after seeing that, I'd still call them thugs. That's all that was. It was a thug beating. It wasn't good. And, uh, yeah. No, it wasn't. So, well, thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you, David. Go with Lion Eye yeah. tonight. Yes, sir. We'll get the get the all corn right. huskers beat tonight. Them, <laughs> beat them corn huskers. That's Shuck right. Them. Herbie Husker. There you go. Thank you, sir. Yes, yeah. nine nine forty four on DWS. On a penny for your thoughts. Steve is with us. Hey, Steve. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Um, with the whole Russia thing, it, so it's been going on a year now. I think it was like February of last year, if I remember. I was walking out of Harvest Market and get an alert on the phone that, you know, the nuclear weapons are poised. To, like, I, whatever they, whatever the warning was. I mean, it was a very ominous thing that was sent out over phones. And it's just like, I was like, one, it's totally unnecessary, especially after COVID. People are already on edge about the next thing that was going to happen. And it seems that the folks that are in charge now, you know, I would say I would say folks in their 70s, um, they've been through these things before. Polio, when they were kids, had to get the polio shots. Uh, you know, uh, the Cold, Cold War, well, n- nuclear war almost with Russia uh, back in the 50s, 60s. And, and now it's like we're now these folks are in charge and it's like they're they're playing the same tape over again. And it's just kind of like the, the whole thing of history repeating itself. And it's like mm-hmm. they're putting they're putting the, the, the world through what they went through when they were kids, the fear and the panic they had when they were kids. And, and they're doing it now. And, you know, like like David said previously, Trump Trump talked really tough with North Korea. And, and we hear the media and the left just saying, oh, my God, he's going to cause World War Three. Uh, Hawaii was freaking out because, you know, North Korea could potentially launch a, a missile towards them. Nothing ends up happening. Trump ends up walking across the border of North Korea. All these other presidents stand there with the binoculars and their Air Force jacket or whatever it is and look tough standing in South Korea. Trump goes across the wall, shakes his hand. We had world peace. We had world peace. Uh, now, uh, I have liberal friends who are prepping their homes for uh, nuclear war, uh, talking about what they're going to do, um, y- you know, if they can't even use their toilets and stuff. It's it's a it's insane that they would put somebody into office that would that would do this. And then it's almost like 
it's like you can't get enough of fear and panic that you gotta you gotta keep reliving it got to keep reliving it and putting themselves in it i guess my one question is um what what is the true capability of russia's nuclear weapons i mean you got to figure with as um as their military has been downgraded so much and i mean they obviously they can't even really engage ukraine in a way that is is powerful enough to overtake it um what is their nuclear capability actually now with those missiles being in those silos and all this stuff? I mean, you got to figure like the systems have, have deteriorated over the, the decades. Are they really fueled up, ready to go? Like, do they have the capability to launch these things that they can't even really launch uh, an effective ground war? Isn't that kind of a sign? Mm. Um, I also are, what, what is our nuclear capability um, back? Are, are, are the nuclear missiles, I, I know we've seen videos of them, how they have like 30 warheads in one missile and they can hit 30 targets separately and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Are those systems truly that good, especially in Russia, when they, they are totally on the, on the down, down I mean, they're, they're going down pretty big as far mm-hmm. as their economy and everything else. Can they really maintain that stuff? Maybe uh, there's somebody good that could call in and explain that. Yeah. No, you're way over my head on that one. I, I have no right. idea, but... No, those are all good questions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. Back in a moment here. We'll talk a little bit about Memphis. So uh, hang on. And we've got uh, Grant Thompson will join us. He was just several years in Memphis. Get the dynamics of what's going on down there after this. You could use some of those. Man, it's cold out there. What'd you say? I'd say it looks, looks warm. Looks warm, yeah. So I guess that's half the battle, right? <laughs> 11 degrees here at a penny for your thoughts. Grant Thompson is with us. He's our general manager. How many years? You've been here two years? One year? Almost two. Almost two. Okay. Almost two. But you came here back from Memphis. I and, did. And how many years did you live in Memphis? Um, my wife and I uh, spent just under 10 years there. Okay. And both of our daughters were born there. And uh, yeah, my heart kind of hurts yeah. um, right now. And uh you know, I feel so bad. My heart breaks for Tyree's family and in the city itself and the things that it's going through. Yeah. Tell me about the dynamics of Memphis. And when you saw this story, you got the, the officers that are involved in this. And then I guess they've got two more officers, seven police officers now placed on leave and a couple of uh, fire department personnel fired. But give me the dynamics of Memphis itself and the police department and the city. Sure. And- you know, I was really, uh, I guess, fortunate that in my time there, I spent a lot of time with people of all sorts of different um, statuses, economic statuses, so on and so forth, including a lot of time with the two mayors while I lived there and several different police chiefs. As This would be the third police chief in uh, the time that I was there because she was coming on just as I was leaving. But, you know, I think a lot of times, and this is not to oversimplify it, you know, April 1968. You know, Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis and the city, the city will never get over it, nor should it. Mm -hmm. But there's still a lot of things that feed off of that, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, when you look at the city, it's a it is a city like a lot of large cities. It's a city of haves and have nots. Mm -hmm. And it's also a city of people that are born there and they die there. They, there's not a lot of people that move out. 
But, you know, I will say at the same time, it was the most welcoming place I've ever lived. Mm. Um, people were just so welcome. And I found that uh, as long as you loved the city as much as they did, they were going to take care of you, you know, and it's a very it is a very, you know, proud city. But, you know, the Scorpion Squad or whatever it's called, the Street Crimes Operation Restore Peace in Our Neighborhoods. I understand what they're job was but i mean i experienced it um very early on um i was working with eight radio stations down there and we were holding an event um actually off of elvis presley boulevard that um was an event targeted to a the youth of the african-american community there in whitehaven and i saw these guys standing around in all black with silver insignias that were the little scorpion and they had automatic rifles and i go wow that's kind of different for a community event mm -hmm. you know and that kind of gave me my first view of what that was all about but in all intents and purposes all of the police officers in that community they're good people mm -hmm. they're good people just trying to do their jobs and it's a tough job to do because last time while i was there working on an initiative for trying to find um, police officers to come from all over the country, as many communities were, they were down four or 500 police officers. Mm -hmm. And every time they would hire a class to go through the academy, they were losing more people than they were replacing. Um, I think the Scorpion, it's, it, it's almost something out of a movie. Mm. You know, if you think of like Denzel Washington and Training Day, these guys require a ton of training that they did not get. They require a ton of supervision, which they don't have, and they're kind of rogue. They kind of go do their own thing. I mean, you could see them in town, unmarked cars that you knew were a police vehicle because it was, you know, a black vehicle, um, Dodge Charger usually, dark windows. But if you looked really close, you'd see the lights, you know, hidden amongst the grill. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea was to go into communities that had, you know, violence or crime or gang activity, drug activity and show a presence. And the process was that if you arrested a person for a minor offense, maybe they could open the door to a bigger situation. Hmm. Um, but th it's unbelievable. I mean, the video, the video was extremely shocking. Um, there's absolutely no way you can ever justify it. And I, after watching it for the second or third time, I saw a thing that said, they gave him 71 commands in 13 minutes hmm. to get up, get down, roll over, put your arm back. And when I read that, I went back and uh, watched the video again. And there were commands coming from different directions that were absolutely conflicting with each other. Roll over, stand up. And you're like, well, do you want me to roll over? Do you want to stand up? Mm -hmm. So it, I don't know. And I, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. And I said, this is, uh, feels like there's more to it than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. So this group of police officers, what do you call it? Scorp Scorpion. Scorpions, yes. So that was, they were hired by the city to, or? Was yeah, they, yeah they, I mean, they were police officers that, uh, they weren't called Scorpion until a couple years ago. They had another street crimes task force name. And uh, they were put together. I mean, they were police officers. Mm -hmm. um, I. But the training was different, or the. Or I think they basically received their basic police training 
to, through the academy. There is an academy there in town, and probably were put out on the street uh, as regular police officers for a short amount of time. And they said, "Hey, we've got a special task force. You're going to be a part of." Mm. And uh, you know, I had heard that uh, the training existed of watching a PowerPoint and spending some additional time at the shooting range. So, look, the things you were asking these people to do is not normal police work. Mm. And I think, you know, in their mind, they were probably saying, well, we do things a little bit different than a regular police officer because of the nature of our job. And I think once, if someone's not watching that and trying to control that and making sure that they're not going in, you know, outside the lines, then it becomes systemic of itself. Mm. You know, I think it's, uh, and it's probably a problem a lot of places where these guys just, Go rogue and do whatever they want. Hmm. Yeah, because every law enforcement person that I've heard from or, or that I've read about, have, they've all like, this isn't normal. You can't do no. that. You can't do what they did. No, it's, that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And look, it's as I said, Memphis as a city is down 500 police officers. Mm-hmm. So you've got guys that are already taxed beyond um, overtime and tired and so on and so forth. And that's probably also why there was a lack of oversight you know, there's just not enough people, but it doesn't just, I mean, these guys, I mean, whatever ends up happening to them, they deserve every bit of it. There's no question about that. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's like I said, it's a city that's had some challenges, um, throughout its history, um, with police brutality, with racial situations mm-hmm. and, you know, but you got to hope that as a city it pulls together, and it will. You know, and I, I and I want to say I was proud of the people of Memphis because I was watching the national news, several different national networks on uh, Thursday and Friday, and it's almost like they were cheering for upheaval and violence. And and Memphis didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Memphis got together. And uh, went and protested, shut down the I-55 bridge, but did it peacefully because they said it does no good for the community to be destroyed because the people you're hurting at that point are not the people who did the crime. Right. So I was proud of them for mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your perspective on this because you you lived down there a decade, so you, and yes. you were involved heavily in the community. So yes, um, terrible thing. And yeah. like I said, I feel for his family, and I hope that uh, the justice is served. And I want to give the you know district attorney and all those guys credit. They were swift in their action mm-hmm. of saying you're going to be tried of these charges, as opposed to saying, "Let us think about it. Let us look at it." No, nope. mm-hmm. we've seen it. It's terrible. Here it is. We're done. Yeah. Hey, Grant. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. WDWS. Here's Champaign Urbana, CBS News. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. Okay, we're back. Good to have you with us on a penny for your thoughts. We are at 1010 
sunny and cold. It was about 8 degrees. I looked at my uh, clock. We have the temperature there in our house, and I uh, the temperature outside, it was like 8 degrees. Man, do I really want to go outside? <laughs> Didn't have a choice, but yeah, it was cold. And it will be cold again tonight. Appreciate you being with us. A lot of good topics there in the first hour, talking about Memphis and Ukraine. Those are two big stories that are out there uh, nationally and internationally. Got a couple of uh, sets of basketball tickets I'll give away near the end of the show today. Uh, you would need to pick these up by 4 o'clock today, but uh, hopefully if just consider that if you can do that. These are hard tickets. So we'll do that near the end of the show. Uh, let's see what else I have here. Oh, I need to mention the uh, folks at Roofs by Roger with the colder weather, of course. Uh, there's not a lot of roofing being done, but they do still have the winter services that they offer, siding and gutters and gutter guard and windows. Uh, I know these days when it gets cold, you really notice uh, how tight your windows are, right? <laughs> if that air is seeping through, don't want to sit in that chair near the window. Man, the wind's coming through. You might want to get that window fixed. They can help with things like that. Uh, of course, roofing, gutter, siding, windows, locally owned and operated. The number is 217-834-3800, 217 217- 834-3800. The folks by Roofs by Roger. Roofsbyroger.com. And Roger was spelled with a D. R-O-D-G-E-R. So make sure you check them out and tell them that we were talking about them here on the radio. Good morning, Brian. Just wondering when the basketball team's going to Spain. It is August 4th through the 14th. And we had the uh, gentleman on, and I gave out his information a little earlier, a uh, gentleman on from the uh, Global Sports Organization. He's the head of that. Uh, who is helping set that up. He's known Brad Underwood for 30 years. And uh, you can do this every four years. You can take a trip like this. I think Wisconsin, the team we just played, I was reading their notes. Uh, They had gone on a trip last summer to France. And it's good for team bonding. And uh, just kind of gives the coaches extra practice time in in a time normally maybe they wouldn't. Some extra time in that frame. So it works out pretty well. It's kind of fun, and uh, fans can go on it. So, yeah, August 4th through the 14th. And I'll give you that uh, website again if you're interested in that. Uh, very little, if any, local news, the texture says, on two cars shooting at each other going down Mattis Avenue south of John Street Saturday, January 21st, or on print media. No one was shot that I know of, so is the mayor or the district attorney keeping this quiet? It was over 100 rounds. I have renters that live right there and know exactly what happened. I would like to at least know if they are looking for the people that did this so it doesn't happen again, or has anyone been arrested? And lucky no one was shot or worse killed. Yeah, I I don't know anything about that. Let's see, when did they say it happened? Saturday, January 21st. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, um, I'll ask Mary and see if she knows anything about it but I don't know what else to tell you there. I've not seen or heard anything about it. But, uh, boy, it sounds pretty scary regardless. Uh, emailer says, I understand the Memphis police force was down 500 officers. We just talked to Grant Thompson about that. In order to hire, listener says, I had read the department also revealed that it was even offering waivers for people who have been convicted on felony charges. I don't know about that, but uh, they were down 500. Uh, Grant just talked to us about that and the dynamics of what was happening down in Memphis and the history of Memphis a little bit. Uh, Another text says, about Memphis, I wonder what else the Scorpion Group has done unlawfully prior to this event. Doubt it's the first time 
They've acted like thugs. All right. Uh, 217-351-5357 is the text line, I think. I think I'm up to date on that. Okay. 1014. Back to the phones. John joins us this morning. How you doing, John? Hey, good morning, Brian. Um, my cousin is uh, at the academy going through that Memphis police thing. Yeah. And you, you, you cannot have a felony. Okay. So that's wrong. Okay. Now, another, another thing, uh, I've got three subjects here. If you notice when they uh, jug him out of the car in Memphis, uh, the police officers did, um, his last word when he was first on the ground was, hey, you guys going a little too far. That's when he jumped up and ran. Now, he was getting off from work. So, in other words, I, I'm pretty sure he was familiar with that area. And when it all stopped, I think he was killed maybe a block from his mother's house because he was hollering for mom. You know, that, that that's what hurt. And, you know, I just wished a lot of, like the gentleman was talking about, well, just brought it up to you, about the shooting on Mattis. People, we need to stop. These are our children. If you let them live in your house, who knows? You could be next. This crime wave that's going on in, in, in Champaign, especially all over America, it can be stopped. You have to talk. And I'm sure, uh, just like the, uh, like the traffic violation they just talked about, they got this guy's license plate and went to his house and got him and arrested him. That's the way it should be done. You don't have to kill nobody. And um, another thing, Brian, when uh, gentleman was talking about that, what uh, all the presidents that that Putin had taken over and all this. Okay, but you got to understand, in order to get into the NATO alliance, you have to be justified with all the countries that are in the NATO alliance. You just don't walk in and walk out. And that's why it's over there in Belgium. So it's a central located where you can communicate with everybody in every country. Uh, one of the big things is, number one, as a United States president, he shouldn't have crossed the DMZ. Now, that's me. Much hell we call? No. Our allies are catching hell because of all of this. That was a photo op. And number two, at the overthrow of the Soviet Union, Putin has always wanted to put uh, Mother Russia back together. Mm -hmm. From Clinton all the way up, nobody would help him until Trump got in office. All of the stuff that Trump did, uh, communicating with Putin and everything, well, Poland got into the NATO alliance. Everybody else did. Ukraine wanted to because people don't realize Ukraine feed the world. Our, our electric batteries, all the lithium and ion, is in Ukraine. So one of the biggest things were that uh, Ukraine and Russia was uh, not not buddy buddies. But that last president before the one that they got now, he was a Putin ally. He was doing everything from corruption and everything to stick with Russia. And when we finally got him out of there, everything, the ball was rolling. And uh, Ukraine tried to get into NATO uh, about 10 years ago. And everybody that was trying to, well, to be the president, they were on Putin's side. Now they got a chance to get into NATO. The last president, other than uh, Lewinsky, he was right there. And he got out of office, and this other one got in. And the president before him said, I tried to get into NATO, but I couldn't do it. So with all of this going on, Trump opened the door for what's going on in Ukraine because he agreed with everything that Putin agreed with. 
And what he did on Helsinki, it wasn't a mistake. It was an embarrassment. Any military personnel, and especially the ones that uh, follow the mega crowd, if this wasn't an embarrassment of throwing our face in the DMZ, you shouldn't be a veteran. All the people that have died trying to save this country and keep us safe, and you sit there and say, oh, it was a mistake. No, it wasn't. It was planned. Because all the money that Trump owes China and Russia uh, from the up in the early 80s and everything, he's always been there for Russia. So now that they got a chance to go into NATO, look how hard it is right now for them to get in NATO. They're trying to get a package together. And I'll tell you what, just don't be surprised one morning we wake up, old dark 30 hit Moscow. I'm telling you, this is, a, this is something that President uh, Biden got a lot on his hands. But if you look at it, Trump even said, if he was still president, this would never happen in Ukraine. No, Ukraine would probably be part of Russia. So you can go with Putin, or you can go with Trump, listen to them, but if you take the really look, good look at it, it's an embarrassment towards the United States. Well, we were limped, you know what, under Trump. And well, I think we're going to get stronger now. Well, I think the, uh, you know, the Russians, it was during the Obama years that they took over the Crimea. Um, and I think they saw that the West really, you know, they made a lot of noise about it. But what were they going to do about it? You know, I mean, they, and um, so they I think they were encouraged by that excursion. And so when they got around to this one, it was like, hey, uh, let's do it again. <laughs> and so far, it hasn't worked it. the way they thought. So, Right. And okay. uh, I tell you what, uh, Ukraine is just like Israel. If you attack, we will attack. That's the way it is. And Ukraine doing good. If we give them the firepower, uh, we'll have a Moscow cocktail one morning. Hmm. Hey, Once you go into Moscow, it'll stop. All right. Hey, thank you, John. Take care, Brian. Appreciate your uh, your input here. Uh, one thing I will point out just over time, again, how you – if you look at the, the events, say World War II, and I love to read about World War II, but if you go back and you say, well, World War II started on Pearl Harbor – or it started when the, the Germans invaded Poland. Well, yeah, but, I mean, Japan invaded Manchuria in 1931. I mean, that was eight years before the official start of World War II. Uh, they annexed Korea in 1910. Um, you know, there's all these events that happened that are isolated events at the time, and then when you pull back a little bit, pull the camera back, you go, oh, that was part of a larger issue at the time that eventually led to World War II. And so that's when you look at events today, you say, well, they annexed Crimea in whatever it was, 2014. Well, that was one step. And then I think uh, the Kremlin, uh, the Russians thought, hey, we're just going to roll into Ukraine in a couple of weeks. We talked to Jeff McCausland about that. And of course, it didn't turn out that way. And now trying to keep Ukraine from being swallowed up by Russia. And the Russians are about to make, I guess, a big offensive. And now it's tanks and aircraft, and that's kind of what happens over time. It's History does repeat itself quite a bit. You kind of get slowly pulled into it. And I I'd still, if, if anybody's got an answer on the nuclear capability of Russia at this point, if you've got that, let me know, because one uh, caller was raising that question in regards to the nuclear capability of the Russians after all of that. But the relationship with Russia has been a dicey one from, I mean, you look at World War II. I mean, was anybody a big fan of Stalin? No. 
but he was our ally because we needed him to help crush Germany and Hitler. And, I mean, you go from there and then the immediate aftermath of World War II and the, the Berlin and East Berlin and West Berlin and the Berlin airlift and you just go down. It's, the relationship with Russia from president to president has been dicey. So it's just uh, how, it, how it rolls, how history rolls, as they say. All right, 1022, back in a moment here on A Penny for Your Thoughts here on DWS on this Tuesday. Champaign Public Library, go to champagne.org, as I'm doing right now, to kind of see uh, what's going on with the Champaign Public Library. You can do that. It's easy. And uh, let's see here. There's lots of things going on for adults, for teens, for kids. We've got curbside service. Let's see here. There's tax help available. That's been going on today. The Busey Bank Conference Room, tax help, toddler tales. Taking photos, you can learn how to take photos with smartphones or tablets. If you're not familiar with that, you say, well, I don't know how to use this. I just I just use my phone for actually talking. You can take pictures with it, you know, in a lot of cases. <laughs> Unless you got an old flip phone or something, and maybe you can with those. I don't know. I forget what Gentry has, still has. But uh, Teen Lounge, creative, uh, creative Communication with Improv, Tax Help Again, coming up uh, tomorrow, February 1st at 9 a.m., we got curbside service. The French Shop Bookstore open Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday from noon to 3. 400-plus webinars and stories, time, songs, all available. And, of course, they have books. Get your library card, as Arthur the Aardvark used to say. You know, having fun isn't hard when you have a library card. I remember that song. My daughters used to sing it all the time. Uh, champagne.org. Champagne.org. Let's go back to the phones here. Ed is with us. How you doing, Ed? Pretty good. How are you today? Good. What's going on? Well, the gentleman called earlier about the nuclear weapons and everything. Yeah. And and first, I want to. He said uh, stuff about the uh, polio epidemic and uh, the Cuban crisis and everything. Uh, I was 12 years old when the polio vaccine came out, and you did not believe the sigh of relief the whole country did mm. because we actually trusted the government more and it's not i don't think it's they're doing it intentionally just so they make make people go through the same thing because nobody went through that period of time with that and the cuban crisis and the vietnam war and everything we want to go through it again mm-hmm. worst case is that they just don't know how to react in any other way but it's not, he sounded kind of like, oh, it's all the boomers' fault. Well, that's facetious and I don't like it. But the main reason I called was he was talking about nuclear weapons. I was in nuclear weapons when I was in the Army. And I did, I worked very intimately with them. And they're not, the Russians and us have certainly deteriorated in our stockpile. But it takes very few people to run to take care of those things. And they had so many weapons. I was, where I was stationed at one place in the Army, 
You'll have to get that, Marietta. Uh, we had 8,000 weapons in one spot, and a very small crew took care of those. So it doesn't take a lot of people to maintain those weapons. Mm, okay. It's not near as tight as it was during the war there, but, uh, I mean, during that period of time, it was during the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. But uh, it... I know that our stockpiles have deteriorated a little bit, but not near enough to make it worth the chance to do the nuclear weapon. Because you only need two or three of them to really work to have a real problem. Right. Yeah, it doesn't take very many. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, it, I think we better be really concerned about the whole deal. Yeah. I am, I well, I know. And, and, you know, obviously after the fall of the Soviet Union, there was a lot of chaos in Russia. Because you had all these breakaway republics where you had nuclear weapons there, and you had, um, you know, so it was pretty unsettled there for a while, and and uh, you know the Russian economy had all kinds of trouble, and and so you know nuclear weapons are one of those things. Like you say, you don't need very many, but I, guess, I don't even know what the numbers are on both sides anymore. We used to hear a lot about the numbers when we would have a a high level summit between a U.S. president and a Soviet president. There'd be all these numbers. I have no clue what they even are now. So, anything else, Ed? I think he, uh, he had another phone ringing there in the background. Sounded like the uh, the phone at the general store, you know, was ringing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> had an old old fashioned ring to it, didn't it? Ten twenty nine at uh, DWS. Okay, anything Trump's name comes up, it just like a lightning rod. Uh, somebody says. Um, John has left out our current president. Biden has his hands with a problem with Ukraine. Russia and China, his decisions have a lot to do with these countries getting a pass from the president. Ask Putin what he thought and about how weak we were in messing up getting out of Afghanistan, a weak and incompetent president, talking about Biden. John is a Trump hater that has never said a good thing about him. Uh, Why didn't he take Ukraine, talking about Putin, why didn't he take Ukraine while Trump was in office then? Okay, I think that's all I've got on that. All right, that caused a little flurry of action there. Uh, 1030 at DWS on a a penny for your thoughts. 217-356-9397 is our number. We've got CBS News coming up here in about a minute. Hutchcraft Van Service, our good friends over there. The Hutchcrafts have been around a long time, handed down this uh, family uh, business generation to generation very successfully. If you can do something... 10 years, that's amazing. But if you can do it like 80 years, that's a whole other story. And you're doing something right. And they've done it right for a long time. 1614 North Lincoln Avenue in Urbana. Over 50 trucks, vans, and trailers. Family-owned business. Got lined up with United Van Lines in the early 1950s. They specialize in local moves as well as across border moves. In Illinois, local movers at Hutchcraft provide the best value for efficient moves. You want to be efficient on this, of course, with cost and and they moved us two or three times, moved our radio stations around. We were in, what, one, two, four different buildings in the span of about five years. And they moved us every time and did a very professional job with it, and they'll do a great job for you. 1614 North Lincoln in Urbana, if you're listening over in McLean County, they're over there on 2130 West College Avenue in Normal. Talked to Jeff McCausland a little earlier today, a military analyst from CBS, about what's happening in Ukraine. We talked to our 
general manager Grant Thompson, who spent about a decade in Memphis before he moved back here a couple of years ago and kind of get his uh, thoughts on the situation in Memphis with the uh, police department down there and what happened with the beating and the death uh, in Memphis that was all over the news all weekend. 10.32, here is the latest from CBS News. CBS News Brief. A wide swath of the South is bracing for an icy winter storm. Rob Rodell with the Arkansas Electric Cooperative. We don't know what Mother Nature is going to do. Uh, last week, the snowstorm that went through North Arkansas was supposed to be a simple snowstorm and ended up causing many power outages. Hundreds of flights in the U.S. have been canceled or delayed, most in Texas. There's more fallout and reaction to the death of Tyree Nichols after a brutal police beating. CBS's Elise Preston is in Memphis. Demonstrators in Memphis continued to call for police reform as Memphis police announced that two more officers had been relieved of their duties pending an investigation. In the West Bank today, Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas expressing sorrow for the dead and urging both Palestinians and Israelis to tamp down on the recent surge of violence. CBS News Brief, I'm Deborah Rodriguez. Ten thirty-seven. As we roll along here, News Talk fourteen hundred and ninety-three nine FM and WDWS. We'll have basketball for you tonight. We'll be over at the State Farm Center as the Illini get ready for those Cornhuskers. They beat them pretty wide margin out in Lincoln. It's close for a while, and you got I think three of the next four at home. So you got tonight. You're at Iowa Saturday. The Illini men we're talking about. And then you got Minnesota at home next week and Rutgers. So you got three of the next four at home. Chance to make a little hay here. Purdue's still leading the Big Ten. Now they got a big game this week at Indiana on Saturday. They also host Penn State in Mackey. They should win that one, I would think, but uh, you never know. But they should uh, beat Penn State. They play tomorrow, Wednesday, February 1st. Minnesota at Rutgers. You would think Rutgers would get that one. Two games tonight. Three games tonight. Nebraska at Illinois, Northwestern at Iowa, Indiana at Maryland. So that'll be a test for the Hoosiers. Maryland's been playing well. But I don't know. Unless Purdue stubs their toe, they're going to win the Big Ten. I mean, they've opened up a three, three-and-a-half game lead over Northwestern. Illinois is right there in a tie for third, so... So I think the the battle, I think, now unless, like I said, if Purdue could be pulled back, and that would make it interesting, of course. But right now they're in the completely in the driver's seat and running way ahead of everybody else. Right now the battle is on for the top four spots in the Big Ten behind Purdue, I would think. 217-356-9397 is our number. Text line at 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. Just going through history a little bit. Uh, Austria was annexed by Germany in March of 1938. So that was a different, another event. You talk about 
Putin annexing Crimea back in 2014. Well, that was a few years ago now, but, you know, March of 38, Germany annexed Austria. If you watch The Sound of Music, you can kind of learn about that. Well, the other thing, somebody mentioned uh, Lisa Loring, who passed away, best known for playing Wednesday Adams when she was six years old on the Adams family. And I think Benny mentioned off the top, she played the character Cricket Montgomery in the early 80s on As the World Turns. I probably saw her on there at some point. My grandma usually had that on. So I probably saw that at some point. <laughs> Didn't realize who it was. Uh, she was also in the ABC sitcom The Pruitts of Southampton, and she appeared in three B-rate slasher films. Okay, I didn't see these. No, thank you. I don't watch slasher films. Blood Frenzy, Iced, and Savage Harbor. Yeah, I don't think so. But she was in them. Okay. To each his own. 1040 at DWS. Let's go back to the phones to Will. How you doing, Will? Well, I'm doing fine, Brian. Good morning. I'm enjoying your uh, discussion about a number of items. Oh, thank you. I uh, wanted to weigh in a little bit, and I I guess I feel like a lot of people feel this way, but you never know. I was a very pro-Trump voter against Hillary Clinton and um, against Joe Biden, uh, so full disclosure, uh, because it was an issue of promises made, promises kept, as far as I was concerned. Lower taxes, crush ISA, ISIS, move our um, embassy to Jerusalem. Just a number of promises made that he had the uh, guts uh, to uh, carry out. Um, and a, a number of my other conservative friends and relatives tell me that they didn't so much vote for Trump as they did vote against the other candidate. Okay, I get that too. However, as time goes on, the niggling little lies and fibs, obviously, that he's told, and I just read the book, Hold the Line, uh, the uh, two-year term of uh, General Mathis as uh, Secretary of Defense, very interesting. Uh, under Underlying, it's an anti-Trump book, of course, but, you know, he ultimately had to re resign because he couldn't get over the removal of troops from Syria. But it's things like... I got the goods on Obama that he wasn't born in the United States. No, I didn't have a relationship with Stormy Daniels. Uh, yes, I'll release my tax returns as soon as the audit is over. Uh, and then the most recent one that kind of really irritates me, um, I've got the goods on uh, DeSantis. You know, he better not run. That begins to wear thin after a while. And I guess I still think if, Trump were to straighten up and fly right, age notwithstanding, and run a more positive campaign here into 2024, if he gets the nomination, I, I'll, I'll clearly vote for him. Uh, regardless, I'll have to admit, as to the Republicans put up. But I think we need to get past Trump, in all honesty. Uh, a, number of, a number of good candidates out there um, the recent, uh, you know, Pompeo, uh, Pence even, mm -hmm. uh, certainly DeSantis, Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm. It'll be very interesting to see how these primaries go. And I just have a gut feeling 
that a number of people are in that same camp. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. I think I think you you hit it on the head when I think a lot of people um, didn't care so much for him, but they liked his ideas, they liked his policies, yes. and they didn't and they didn't want Hillary Clinton. I think there was. I yeah, think in tw- right. I, I think in 2020 it flipped a little bit where it wasn't so much everybody was pro Biden, but they wanted to they voted for him because they didn't want Trump anymore. So I think there was some of that yeah. that happened. Well, um, uh, without a doubt, COVID nineteen played mm-hmm. some role in that and gave Biden the ability to hide out in his basement and get away with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> you know, and, it, it, and it's himself, funny so. because that's how they used to always campaign. If you go back to the 1800s <laughs> and early exactly. 90s, they, nobody ever went on the campaign trail. They just campaigned from home. So it's yeah, kind of funny. Like, we went, okay, we, we went back really to that. I don't want this, but <laughs> if you force me, I'll take it. Yeah, that's right. That's well, right. Anyway, yeah. uh, thank you for picking up my phone. Um, I, I just, I guess I hope that as these early primaries begin unfolding and within a year, gosh, or a year and a half, that either Trump will have to straighten his act out big time, or I believe enough people will see through this facade. But then if he's got six other candidates split in the vote, yeah, that's going to be an issue too. It'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, he is who he is. I don't think he's going to change. I mean, that, <laughs> no, he, he was that I way. I chance to sit yeah. down with him for an hour and a half <laughs> knowing he couldn't fire me because I'm I'm in my 70s. I don't care anymore. But uh, you're right. I, I yeah. believe he's about my age, and I think us old folks don't like to change. Will we? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he's been the same way, and uh, you know, it, it was the difference is he was actually president as opposed to just being a rich guy yeah. with a lot of buildings. I mean, that's uh, that's exactly. But the right. way he operated, and, if you go back and look at his history, uh, even in sports with the USFL, I saw a documentary on. Yeah. You know, he was yeah. brash back then, and he forced the USFL to try to compete directly with the NFL, and. You know, basically no, killed the league, no, no and doubt about I mean, that. so they're just—he's he, always he been that what way. He believes, yeah, and it's—it's yeah. it's worked for him by and large. I mean, mm-hmm. there have been a number of failures along the way, but he's got a pretty good Teflon coating, like they always said about Hillary Clinton. Some of those bankruptcies and stuff of some of his corporations just kind of washed off of him, and mm-hmm. and he got away with it. But yeah. uh, I thought his four years were interesting. Uh, you know, lower taxes. My goodness. A great economy, low unemployment, uh, a whole bunch of positive things. But mm-hmm. um, enough people didn't like his style. You know, yeah. if he could have just kept off of Twitter, he'd have been a lot better off. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people probably think that way. Well, thank you, Will. Well, I will t- well, you're welcome. And I tell you, that book, Hold the Line, written by a general who was his press secretary, uh, even though underlying anti-Trump, it's a good read. Yeah. Chief of Staff is what he was, yep. So, yes, he was. Yep. Okay. And Chief Speechwriter, yep. All right, have a good day. Thank Thanks you, again. Will. No, I appreciate yeah, your bye. call. Thank you for listening and calling. 1046. Mary up next here before a break. Hi, Mary. Good morning. Uh, I'm going to make this brief. I was a little girl when uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed, mm. and I remember it on a sunny December morning. And my, we had one radio, and my dad made us all be really quiet so he could hear what was going on. Oh, wow. But what is happening in Ukraine right now? Ukraine is fighting Russia for the benefit of the free world. I, I would like it. I mean, I can see so many similarities as what happened um, with Hitler and um, then in Japan, even Italy, uh, in their involvement 
in right trying to take over the world. And I would like to see somebody on your program, maybe, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, explaining the similarities between now. And maybe they wouldn't agree, but I think there are some. And what happened um, in the Second World War and how it started. And I'll tell you, uh, people better wake up and say, hey, we got to help these Ukrainian, this, because otherwise we're going to be speaking Russian or something. I don't know. Well, but I would like to hear somebody that's like a real history person from the mm-hmm. University of Adam that can come on for even 15 minutes or so and explain some of this history of what's, what I remember and what I am seeing now. Yeah. Okay? Well, you've lived it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Thank you, Mary. Okay, bye now. Yep, good suggestion. Yeah, I mean, it's like she said, World War II didn't happen like, bang, there it was. I mean, the events leading up to it, and there's just little markers that you go back through history and you go, yeah? Huh. Should have seen that one coming. Didn't. And it tends to, if it doesn't repeat itself, it echoes a lot, for sure. And she's lived it. Wow, I don't talk to many people that heard about Pearl Harbor on the radio, so... Thank you for your call. I really appreciate that. 1048, back after this on Penny. Can't go wrong with Dolly Parton, right? She just turned 77, I think, here a few days ago. All right, 1051. I want to give away a couple of pairs of tickets to the game tonight for Nebraska. Now, these are, again, 200 level, row 12. So they're up there a ways. Two different pair. I got uh, basically a two-part question. I'll give away a pair. There's no parking here. These are just the tickets, hard tickets. that so You need to pick up at the station by 4 o'clock. Okay, that's when our business office closes. And the question is, Fred Hoiberg is the coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers as he brings his team to town. And I want you to give me the uh, give me one of the teams. There's two, but you give me one of the teams. One's college, one's pro. I'll help you out there that he's coached before he went to Nebraska. Okay, Fred Hoiberg, coach of the Cornhuskers. Give me one. You don't have to give him both. Just give me one. And if one person gets one, then I'll have the next person give me the other. But there are two teams he's just recently coached. One pro, one college. What are they? All right, 217-356-9397. Text line at 217-351-5357. But you need to call me for this, okay? 217-356-9397. Two different pair of tickets for Illinois-Nebraska tonight in a game. The game uh, the t- game time is at 6. Okay, uh, we got who we got here? Zach? This is Zach. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing great. Good. So you got one of those two teams for me? I believe Iowa State. Iowa State is one. Okay, hang on, okay? Thank you. I'll get your, uh, Adam, get your name and then pick him up by 4 o'clock, all right? Will do. Thank you. All right, we're at 2101 Fox Drive. Uh, Let's see here. Who's next? All right, is this uh, Jim? Yes, Brian, how are you? How are you? Give me the other one. Good, thank you. I got Iowa State. 
it was Iowa State and Chicago Bulls. Chicago Bulls. You got the second one. Very good. All right. All right. Hang on. Yeah. Thank you. Hang on. We'll get your uh, your information, okay? Thank you, sir. There you go. So we got two pairs of tickets we just gave away. Again, these are not these are not NOT, not courtside. These are way up there, but uh, hey, you're in the building, right? Uh, section 234, row 12 is where these are, okay? So just hang on, uh, Zach and Jim. We'll get your information. And, again, you need to pick them up here at the radio station by 4 o'clock today. Those are our business hours. All right, uh, 1054 at DWS on a penny for your thoughts. Richard's up next. Hey, Richard. Hey, good morning, Brian. I thought I was going to kill two birds with one stone because I had the bulls on the tip of my tongue, but uh, somebody beat me to it. Uh, but I did have a political uh, matter I wanted to bring up. Yes. Uh, and the woman that you last spoke with uh, prompted my call. There are two ancient 2,000-year-old uh, statements that have directed me politically, and I'll try to get through them very quickly. Jesus encountered Satan after a 40-day fast. And uh, he resisted the temptation to turn uh, stones into bread. But the second one, Satan, it says, showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. Now, kingdoms were a political system back in Jesus' day. And uh, Satan said, all this I will hand over to you because it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Jesus didn't refute the statement. I'm sure it was. 100% 100% correct, but uh, Jesus said, uh, no, I'm not going to bow down before you. Only God is to be worshipped. The second uh, uh, similar statement was before Pilate, and Pilate was getting exasperated with Jesus. He was trying to get him off the hook that uh, the Pharisees had hung on him. They said, uh, this guy claims to be a king, and you know Caesar, no other king, anybody who claims to be king off of his head. And uh, Jesus was not cooperating. He said, it is as you say, I am a king, but my kingdom is not of this earth or this world. He says, if it were, my followers would be fighting to deliver me out of your hand. And he reiterates the point, but my kingdom is not of this world. So uh, I voted for Trump. Um and he wasn't perfect in any way, shape, or form, but I think he um, he staved this uh, drive toward a one-world government that we're crashing uh, headlong into. And uh, I appreciate his wisdom in the in the book and uh, has guided me. Thank you, Brian. Very love good. Show. Thank you, Richard. All right, appreciate you. Right, Have bye. love having you with us. Back in a moment here to wrap it up after this. All right, about a minute to go here. I've got some leftover texts and emails. I'll get to them tomorrow. Uh, Nikki Budzinski, congresswoman from this area, will join us for a few minutes on the phone live from D.C. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And then we got some open line time. We'll help with the tax help a little bit towards the end of the week, some free tax help. If you'd like to get a great meal, it's not free, but it's a great meal, the Beef House in Covington, Indiana. Established in 1964, and uh, they've been going there a long time, nearly 60 years, uh, just inside the Indiana state line. Remember, they are on Eastern time, so if you plan to go over for lunch, just uh, calculate that accordingly. 
You give the hour away, but you get it back before the day is done. And a great place for friends and family, wedding parties, maybe later this summer, or maybe you got some friends in, you don't know where to take them. Take them to the Beef House and say hi to Bob and Bonnie Wright. Beef House, exit 4, Covington, Indiana. Appreciate all the input today. Thanks to each and every one of you for being there. And we'll back tomorrow. WDWS Champaign-Urbana. I'll see you tonight. Illinois basketball.